This is the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast, episode 166. I am Joel Hollingsworth, and I am so jacked up tonight because I listened to yesterday's podcast, and I sounded really sleepy, and it had to be boring to listen to. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm bringing the juice tonight. Also bringing the juice, co-host Will Shelton. How much juice you got tonight? I do. It's decaf, as we were just saying, but I do. I do have something uh, again for this. Is yours the real thing? Mine is hot tea. Um, ah. I, call it, I call it spider legs um, because it looks like spider legs. It's like Keeman Rhapsody or something, some Chinese black tea. So a little bit of caffeine, but you know, not going to keep me up. I don't think. I'll take your word for it. Not. A, I've never been a hot tea <laughs> guy. So. Oh, hot tea is good, man. Um, don't know what you're missing. Um, okay. uh, we are, let's see, yesterday we talked about, we did the uh, stock portfolio game, which I thought was a lot of fun. Um, we uh, posted it on the blog today. So if you haven't had a chance, go to gamedanrockytop.com and uh, you have a chance to reallocate your portfolio of SEC stock. And if you want to hear how, how Will and I did it uh, yesterday, you can listen to the, uh, to the podcast episode 165. And by the way, I said I brought the juice, but I'm also old. And so it just doesn't last very long. So you're just going to have to get used to me winding down. This is the regular me. Um, <clears throat> so I ended up, I think, this is probably different than, oh, it's, I don't even have it in my notes. What, like 500 600 $708 of Texas A&M or something. I don't remember what. That was at the top of, of your list. Yeah. I, I had 400 on the Gators was the most expensive that I was with anybody. So you're and Tennessee was second on my list. Tennessee what? Tennessee was second on my list. I had Tennessee at 275. I held a lot more. I have a lot of, I have like almost half a league as like, I think it's going to be about the same. Okay. Yeah. I, I ended up with a bunch of A&M and a bunch of Tennessee and then just, you know, bitterly amounts of, of the other. So I'm a little more risk, risk taker than you are. So we'll see how it works out. Right. Um, today though, uh, we thought we would uh, look at projected records and standings. All of this stuff, by the way, is uh, from our magazine. The magazine's called Game Day on Rocky Top without the .com. I almost said the .com. <laughs> and uh <clears throat> dot shelf i guess and uh you can still pre-order that uh, i got a email will uh from the printer today they are done printing they are shipping tomorrow it's exciting it is very exciting and uh that means that i should get the direct sales copies probably tuesday wednesday maybe um something like that um, which is about a week before they will end up on the shelves. So uh, if you still want to get it early, you can pre-order it. Go to gamedayonrockytop.com or hatguysports.com. You can get it either place. <clears throat> this tea is making me do weird things with my voice. Apologize for that. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> We're all rusty. Everybody's rusty in the in the podcast game here, aside from being just feel like we're rusty at life uh, after the last three months. So, yeah, it's, I think every, everybody understands. Good. Uh, you know, it was bothering my voice, so I'm going to drink more of it. That will mm. help, surely. <clears throat> um, 
So what was I saying? Oh, Hat Guy Sports. The only reason we have that uh, other site is because we also have another magazine. It's called Game Day Classic City. Two magazines are uh, the same. The back 64 pages are SEC teams. We got a national top 25 back there too. And then the front 48 is team specific. Uh, so for Game Day on Rocky Top, it's nothing but Tennessee, no ads, in-depth previews, recruiting capsules, feature uh, stories. What was your feature, feature story, Will? Uh, I did one on the the Gator Bowl. That's that stat of no team came back from 13-plus points in the last five minutes last year until Tennessee did it to Indiana. Uh, we put that in some historical context to talk about other where you put that in the realm of great Tennessee comebacks and, and what defines uh, a great comeback. And then I did a, a shorter version of what we've been playing with in long form on the blog of what are the, what are the 10 most important stories of the decade uh, for Tennessee. So in the magazine, they're listed in chronological order. And then we've been ranking them in, in order of importance, uh, which we're about halfway done with uh, and we'll return uh, after we have a baby next week at some point in time and, and finish that off uh, before the, the actual season gets here. Always excellent stuff from Will. Um, so, yeah, go out and get that. Um, it will be on the shelves, all the regular um, grocery stores, drug stores, that kind of stuff in and around Tennessee um, starting maybe 10 days from now, which would be maybe the 21st or so, something like that. So anyway, let's talk about projected records and standings. So I'm going to open this up and share my screen. In case you're watching on video, you can see this thing. <laughs> what are you doing? Will's waving for some reason. In case you're watching on video. Okay, I got you, okay. All right, so. Sorry, that wasn't like a, a hidden signal or anything. <laughs> All right, can you see this? You can I can. Okay. So this is the uh, team spread part of the SEC portion of the magazine. And uh, there are, I guess, 28 pages. There are two team spreads for uh, every team. And uh, it's got all of the uh, information that you want in like table form. So you got uh, last year's schedule. You got this year's results. This thing down here is a uh, where most, most people would put their uh, projected depth chart, but we do it just a little bit different and just list the players with the most uh, experience and uh, production in at that position. So it's kind of like a depth chart, but a little bit different. Then we got just some team information, the key players there, stats from last year and, and the class of 2020. And then so, uh, a whole bunch of text where we just talk about the team, plus an awesome picture. So the thing we're gonna talk about here though is this projection up here. Every team has one. Uh, you can see Florida here has a projection of 11 and one overall, seven and one in the SEC to finish first in the East, which might surprise some. So we'll talk about how we got there. Um, the thing is, um, these projections are not maybe what you think they are. This number, the overall number, doesn't necessarily uh, hook up or link up with the uh, SEC number because these are based on ballots. So they're kind of a composite result. So if you look at Tennessee over here, we have Tennessee at nine and three. 
overall and five and three in the SEC. And if you look at that and you think, oh, those guys think that uh, Tennessee is going to beat Oklahoma, right? Because there's only three losses and they're all in the SEC. <clears throat> Not necessarily the case, depending on who you ask, because these are based on ballots. I don't think either Will or I actually think uh, that Tennessee is going to beat Oklahoma. Um, but Brad, who was our third ballot balloteer, He's not a balladeer. Good question. I don't, I don't know what the correct uh, usage there is. Um, Brad Shepard, uh, who writes for uh, Bleacher Report and sometimes uh, for us, um, I think he did actually have this particular result. So anyway, we're going to talk about um, our individual. Um, I want to make sure I'm not like giving away all my uh, personal secrets by sharing my screen in the world. <laughs> It's the most valuable podcast we've done. <laughs> hey, here's Joel's bank accounts. Right. He said he was giving away $2,000 on the last episode, and now he's really giving away $2,000. <laughs> All right. So here's what we actually used to come up with this, uh, with, with these results. Um, we just walked down the schedules, and we picked the games. Um, so let's start. How do you think – what order should we go in here, Will? Should we go by uh, projected rank? Or just want to go alphabetical? What do you want to do? Uh, let's uh, let's do Tennessee first. Mm. I mean, I, that's what the people want, right? Let's do Tennessee first, and then we can come back and do in the East uh, and in the West because uh, Alabama starts with A. You, you get a lot of the action doing alphabetical uh, that way. So you're the guy who puts the milk in the front of the store, right? I have a whole sermon thing on that that I will spare you about why the, the produce is in the front of the store. Uh, anyway. Okay. All right. We'll save that for bonus coverage. Uh, right. Right. All right. So let's talk Tennessee. Um, I'm going to let you lead one of these, but I'm going to do this first one. Uh, sure. So you see, here's our, here's our results up here. Um, and our summary is on the other page over here. So we have Tennessee as, as a group, nine and three. Overall, five and three, third in the East. And here's how we got there. I, which is weird because I actually have Tennessee at eight and four overall and five and three. But I think in the top 25, I had Tennessee ranked higher than either one of you guys. So I don't know. I think you guys maybe think we're getting lucky or something at some point. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll get into that. But so we agree on uh, Charlotte. We're going to beat Charlotte. And then let's go ahead and talk about Oklahoma. You and I will think we're losing to Oklahoma. Why, why do you think so? I'm, I'm just not ready. I haven't seen enough from this group to say, oh, yeah, they're going to go out there and win. Like, I, we're just not there yet. Um, I think that uh, with Pruitt's staff, you, you've almost got to put the Auburn win from 18. Like, I just almost set that aside as, like, man, that is that's a – that's one of the five biggest upset wins for Tennessee in my lifetime. It's a great win, but we also know what happened the rest of that year. So I, I don't necessarily use that in the equation. Um, and then I just know that all the teams that Tennessee beat in that stretch run last year were not nearly as good as this Oklahoma team is going to be. So um, I think that in my brain, uh, the most likely scenario here is they go to Oklahoma and they're close and they're compelling. And then they can turn that into home win against the Gators. Now we're putting all this together. We're picturing 
hundreds of thousands of people at these football games. So home field advantage uh, may be worth zero, uh, which hurts Tennessee uh, this year because this is the year you get Florida and Alabama at home. But it may mean you're more likely to win the Oklahoma game. And if you need Georgia to win the East, then it helps you by the end of the year. So uh, I just I just don't think we're we're for me, Tennessee's not there yet. Tennessee goes out to Oklahoma and loses a one possession game. I'm, I'm going to feel good uh, about things and, and good about that. And it's a non-conference game in a year when we're not really having a national championship kind of conversation. So, I, you know, that that's okay to me. That's just, that's a little too much out the gate. I can see how folks can get there. I can see how Brad gets there. We talked about that on the, the last podcast a little bit, new quarterback uh, back to workouts a month behind Tennessee. Maybe Cheney can just run it. I mean, he can if he wants to. He did it at Georgia. Just run it 60 times in this game and get the job done. That, that might happen. Uh, but I'm, I'm just not that's, – that's a little too much too fast uh, for me at this point. All right. Well said. Um, Furman. We're beating Furman. Pretty sure, right? Right. I would hope so. Okay. All right. Now, Florida. We, we got some differences of opinion on Florida. Brad and I both think we are losing to Florida. Um, me, I, uh, you know, I think Tennessee's getting better, but Florida's getting better too. I think we actually might be getting better faster than Florida, but the gap between the two teams is still too wide. I just don't think we get past them this year. So, Will, why am I wrong? I think – and again, we just spent the last podcast or I just spent the last podcast talking about how I, I trust Florida more than any other team in the league. That's not Alabama. I'm buying them. I'm buying their stock more than I'm buying any, any team in the league this year. So I think very highly of them. Um, but I just, I, I think that. Wait, can I this particular. Out just for a second. I want, yeah. I want to say, I'm sorry, but I think the real reason you're picking Florida is, um, just because that's the only way that you can believe in good things for Tennessee for the season. <laughs> because you, you're the guy who plays the, uh, the pickums, right? You just, just picks everything, all the best for Tennessee. So you don't have to root against uh, Tennessee. Do I, do I have that right? But, well, I think that, you know, that sort of thinking does enter my brain. Sure. Uh, and I think that there's like, there's this argument of, Man, if you lose to Oklahoma and you lose to Florida, it's going to be unfun around here for a few weeks until you get a chance against Alabama to go do it again, even if you're close. So uh, I, I think Tennessee is going to get one of these games. I think it's reasonable to expect that they're going to get one of these games. And of these games, I think this is the most likely one. Um, I think these guys, uh, the coaching staff, these guys particularly understand the value of this kind of win and just from a talent perspective, even though Florida's talent is better than Tennessee's, from a pure talent perspective, this is still the easiest one to get of those four. Um, so, I, and I think that there's just so much, uh, I feel like we don't know anything about Pruitt and these guys against the Gators because the last two years have just been such throwaway, you know, 10 drives without a touchdown or a punt. Uh, they're the, the first time in 18 and then, um, last year, Tennessee's really at the bottom the week that they're playing Florida and, and had a good scheme and just couldn't execute any of it offensively. So um, it, to me, it's just more about this is the most likely 
big win that Tennessee's going to get. And I, I think that Tennessee is going to get one. And something we'll talk about a, a lot, at least in the way I did these standings, is, you know, I when you're picking these games like this, where you have to pick a winner and a loser, and you can't do the old win expectancy total of, oh, I think this team's going to win 7.75 games or whatever. Um, there were a couple of cases for me when I went through the list and I had two or three undefeated teams, and that is not going to happen. Um, yeah. So I had to go back and look at these things, and, and Florida for me was one of them. In my ballot, this is the only game I had Florida losing. Um, so I, I think that uh, some of it is, is stuff that is less about the matchups and just more about kind of how you expect the rhythm of a season to go. Um, but I, I think this Tennessee staff understands the value of this game and the potential value of this win in a way that, uh, you know, no one other – Lane Kiffin maybe, but um, no one since Fulmer has understood. And I, I think that they uh, have had really good game plans against Florida twice that just went completely in the toilet between turnovers and, and just everything happening with Tennessee last year. So. Um, if it sounds like I'm talking myself into it, that's what we do around here, right? Is we just kind of talk ourselves into Tennessee beating Florida. But um, I fully yeah, expected so I, you, fully expected you to say, well, uh, I think Florida, that Tennessee is going to beat Florida because they have to uh, for for us to be happy for the whole season. So, well, I I think you again, how much is competitiveness worth? You lose a close game at Oklahoma. You lose a close game to the Gators. Um, by the time you play Florida, Alabama and Georgia will have played each other and somebody will have lost. So no one is going to see not both of those teams are not going to seem like an unbeatable situation. And you almost beat Bama last year anyway. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, you want to, if you're picking one to get, you'd like to get one of those first two to, to get this thing momentum really building. And, you know, th this is what, um, this exact sequence, the sites were reversed. The Oklahoma game was at home and the Florida game was in Gainesville. But this is the exact sequence that Butch Jones faced in his third year. And Tennessee had that opportunity to announce their presence and be back in both of those games, had it and blew it. And, and Butch Jones never got back to that level of, of trust, I think. with it, That was a missed opportunity that was never fully regained. So it's not that Pruitt has to win one of those games, um, but you got a chance to do something there early that you may not have a chance to do late. So, I, you know, it's, it's valuable. And I think those guys understand that. So on the other side of that, the, the reason you um, picked the Florida game as, as the one instead of Georgia, um, from Georgia's perspective, Georgia just has too much talent. You think that's mostly it? I think so. I mean, how, how many, even if we're playing the best case scenario version of Tennessee's offense, how many points do you expect this offense to go down there and score against this particular defense? I, I think that's a bad situation for Tennessee. Now these guys can ugly it up and, and maybe you try to win that Georgia game, you know, 10 to seven or, or whatever the case may be. But I, I just think that particular piece of the puzzle uh, that's that's a hard ask for this Tennessee team. Um, I'd almost rather have last year's Tennessee team that could at least get Jennings and Callaway. And, and maybe Ramel Keaton and some other guys will turn into these guys by the time mid-November gets here and Tennessee goes to Athens. But 
uh, in terms of trying to score points on this bunch, um, I think that's, I think it's going to be a challenge for Tennessee. All right. So moving on, uh, we both think, or everybody thinks, well, us three thinks that uh, Tennessee is going to beat Missouri. We're going to beat South Carolina. And I'm just going to go down the, the list of the rest of the wins, Arkansas, Kentucky, Troy, and Vanderbilt. That Troy game is an interesting game, though, considering what happened last time. And, uh, you know, it was like a record performance for both sides. It, was, it wasn't really Tennessee against Troy. It was uh, Jim Chaney against Sal Sanceri. Right. <laughs> right. I, was, I took my friend, uh, my friend Harrison, who's a Virginia Tech guy, uh, I took him to that game with me, and he was, that was the first Tennessee game he'd ever been to. And I always talk about, like, just apologizing to him over and over and being like, you have to come back some other time. Like, this is not, this is not what I thought it was going to be that game. So, but yeah, we've, we've, all of us have, if we're just picking wins and losses, we all have the expectation that Tennessee is not going to get beat by an inferior opponent this season. Yep. No, no toe stubbing against the rest of the SEC. And this time no toe stubbing against whoever represents Georgia state on our schedule this year, Troy, Charlotte, Furman. Right. Um, we all agree uh, losing to Georgia <clears throat> and then uh, losing to Alabama. But we'll probably, I'm thinking about posting the win expectancy thing, uh, machine thing. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, maybe tomorrow. I know it's, I know it's early. Um, but first interested in your thoughts on, on doing that. But second, what, you know, we, we're picking these as losses, but what do you think the odds are? What, what would you place your uh, percentages on Alabama and Georgia? Yeah, I, I think like when I just do it in, in on scratch paper, and again, here's the difference between picking wins and losses and using that thing. When I just do it on scratch paper, I'm going to get Tennessee at a shade under eight wins, 7.8 something, um, which should suggest that I should pick Tennessee to go eight and four. But, and we mentioned this on the, the podcast last night, if I'm taking just those four games, Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, when I put the win expectancy total for those four together, I get a number higher than one, which means I expect Tennessee to win one of those games. But then the math, the percentages would just suggest that Tennessee is, in fact, going to stub their toe somewhere else along the way, which, again, would not be earth-shattering new. I mean, it just it happens. Yeah, the the SEC is, is good. Yeah, it's, it, it tends to happen. I'd put uh, – I'd put Bama – Right now, uh, I'd put Bama at 20 or 25 percent, um, and I put Georgia, I think, at 20 percent. Um, Bama were obviously colored by what happened last year, uh, and and a fraction of their invulnerability has been taken away, perhaps. Um, and and Georgia is just it's harder for me to imagine uh, Tennessee scoring enough points to win that game in that setting, that sort of thing. So. But, you know, remember, we've done this plenty of years where we went to Alabama and we were like, is, is 5% too high? Like, if they're playing the game 20 times, is Tennessee really going to win one of them? So I know 20% may sound like a buzzkill for what we hope this team could be this year. But, hey, that's four times as likely to be Alabama as we would have picked uh, in, in years past. Oh, hush. <laughs> but we were right, you know, in, in those cases that that's, you know, most of the time, Tennessee hasn't had a chance to beat Alabama. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm not sure what I would do. I I'm probably going to look at last year and increase it a little. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Although uh, I do feel quite a bit better about Georgia than Alabama. I think Alabama's getting better. I think Georgia's getting worse. Uh, so, <clears throat> and again, you know, I know you're right that, you know, Georgia's defense only allowed 12.3 points per game or something last year. That's crazy. And, uh, you know, we're not one of the best offenses in the nation, right? So how many points should you expect to score? Not many, but <clears throat> I don't think they're going to score that many either. And I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. All right. Where do you want to go after uh, Tennessee? Uh, let's go back. Let's do Florida, Georgia, back at the back at the top of the East. All right. So I have Florida at well. Let, let's look at the summary first, which I'm not going to share the screen. But the summary um, for Florida and Georgia as a group, we got Florida at 11 and one overall, seven and one in the East uh, for a first place finish, and Georgia at 10 and two and six and two for second to Georgia. So the way we got there is we have quite a bit of a uh, disparity here, at least on Florida. I have Florida at running the table at 12 and 0. And I know, uh, Will, your, uh, what you said about, you know, I don't like any projecting anybody to run the table because everybody's going to stub their toe at some point. That's probably right. Um, but there's, a, there's usually one team that does it. Uh, LSU did it last year. Um, so I, I kind of just went on the numbers and uh, I got Florida running the table. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, Brad has them losing to LSU and Georgia. So, and he's not here to explain that, but you have them winning both of those games, but losing to Tennessee. So um, I know we just talked about that game, but where do you think, um, put your put your feet in Brad's shoes, and, and where do you think he's he's coming from, um, and how how confident are you in that eleven one for Florida? I mean, I think the cocktail party that's that's toss up city. You know, both teams have a bye before that game. It was, what, it was a touchdown game last year. So, yeah, it was close to the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I that I got no problem. If somebody wants to pick Georgia in that game or or Florida in that game. Um, I, I will say to your point, I was ready for this about, uh, you know, well, let's pick uh, X number of undefeated teams and it just happens uh, anyway. So I researched it earlier today. Um, do you know in the in in the 28 years that we've been playing divisional play in the SEC, do you know how many times in 28 years a team has made it to Atlanta undefeated? You want to guess? Um, see, to me, uh, recency matters and that's the only thing that matters. So it's just one and that's that's that's. That's the, that's the only one that matters. But Tennessee did it, so there's two. Yeah, it's it's not zero. Yeah, it's twelve. It's twelve times in 28 years. Um, okay. But it tends to happen in chunks. So like it only happened three times in the 90s. in the 90s. One of them was Tennessee. Auburn did it in 04, and then it happened five times in four years where you had Bama did it in 08, uh, and then lost to the Tebow team that had one loss. Florida and Bama both did it in 09. They were both undefeated when they were there. Cam Newton, Auburn did it the next year. LSU did it the year after that and then lost to Alabama in the, in the title game. And then nothing for five years. And then Bama did it in 16. Bama did it in 18. LSU did it last year. So when it happens, when, when you're getting that kind of separation of 
here's the very, very best teams in the SEC, and they're running the table suggests to me that the bottom of the league, there's, there's just fewer chances to stub your toe, right? The bottom is not that good. The very best teams are very better than, than everybody that they're playing. I just don't see that this year. Um, if I do see it for anybody, it's Bama, um, which is, I mean, that's not breaking news <laughs> or anything. Um, but I think that there are, and we'll talk about this, especially when we get into the West, um, I think there are, there's just not enough separation there to believe that. Having said that, when I pick Tennessee to beat Florida, it clears my conscience of that. Oh, we can't pick them to go undefeated. So um, I just, I just trust them more than I trust Georgia. I think if Georgia loses to Alabama, there's some, some oh no's uh, that, that could creep in there from the Georgia side of things. Those guys still haven't, I mean, again, if you think we're, those guys still haven't won a title since 1980. So, you know, this is the 40th anniversary uh, of that. So uh, we just celebrated 20, you know, two years ago. So um, there's, there's some anxiousness there. Um, and LSU, we talked about yesterday, like still plenty of talent there. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe from Brad's perspective, that's the nobody believed in us uh, special sort of thing. The one that's dangerous to me, the, the super trap game on their schedule to me is at Lane Kiffin the next week. You know, you get through the Gators, uh, you, you get through LSU as the Gators, then you go to Ole Miss. Ole Miss plays Vanderbilt the week before. So uh, that's that. If I'm a Florida fan, that's that's the you know Trap City special right there, Oxford, Mississippi. So um, so yeah, I think they're capable of stubbing their toe. I just like them. Um, you know, they they do get Ole Miss. They don't have to play Alabama. Um, Florida State is not a a threat to them at the moment. Um, and so I just, I, I, I trust Dan Mullen. Um, we all want to prove ourselves right about the things we thought about the people that should have been Tennessee's coach. Uh, and so I'm, I've been team Mullen for uh, as, as long as he's been in that conversation. So uh, I just, I just trust him. I, I know that's not a lot of insight and analysis, but uh if you're asking me who I trust in this league the most after defaulting to Alabama, it's, it's Florida. So to me, 11 and one, when they were, were on the cusp of that last year anyway, um, I think that's, I think I feel very comfortable in, in making that projection for them. Yeah. Just to emphasize the point you were making earlier too, it does seem that this is a particularly um, bad year for a team to run the table because everything's tightening up at the top. You know, um, I think that, you know, if you're looking at the East, Georgia was ahead of Florida, way ahead of Tennessee. I think Tennessee's creeping up to compete with both those. And I think Georgia's coming down. So that's, it's, it's not quite a three-way race, but it's two and, and, and one that, you know, could, could make some noise. Uh, same thing on the West with uh, A&M getting in there. You got, uh, it's not just, Alabama running the table. It's not just LSU getting Joe Burrow and, and running the world, you know, um, you got, you got Auburn, you got, uh, A&M, you got, uh, Alabama over there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tightening up. So when you have everybody being, uh, capable of beating the best teams, then yeah, it, it's going to be hard, uh, to run the table. So I'm just going to, uh, call the printer now and tell them never mind 
Well, I, I mean, to that point too, like, and we, this is a point we made about SEC basketball about five years ago when teams in the middle and even the lower tier made like obvious upgrades at the head coach position. Again, Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach were guys that many people would have liked to be Tennessee's coach yeah. three years ago. And now those dudes are in Mississippi. Uh, what's the, what's the free win in this league other than Vanderbilt? You know, like what's Arkansas, as, as we've talked about before, like, man, I think that's a great fit there and, and super duper coordinators from an X's and O's standpoint, Missouri, we'll see. Um, but I mean, what, what's the free win in this league? There's just not other than Vanderbilt, uh, maybe. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, and again, Stoops at Kentucky, if you expect him to stay, Kiffin, Leach, these guys, if, if folks are sticking around longer because they're all kind of getting a similar payday at this point, um, you know, it, it may turn back into what we saw between 2012 and uh, 2015, which is, you know, even, even Bama is getting turned around by Ole Miss uh, in those years. Uh, and so I, that, that to me is much more likely with what we're seeing in the league right now. So at the end of the day, um, we uh, ended up, right with Will's projection. 11-1, for the Gators. Still first, but just not undefeated or with two losses. So Georgia, <clears throat> um, the, the composite for Georgia was 10-2 and two and 6-2. and two. And you and I both had them at 10-2 and two and 6-2 and two with the same two losses to Alabama and to Florida. So, um, do you have anything you want to say about Georgia's schedule? Just, just a tough, like you're in a tough place in terms of relationship to the fan base. If you're Kirby smart, because you've already been, you're a play away from a national championship three years ago. And now again, to me, there's no, you lose a close game to Alabama and a close game to Florida. There's not a lot of shame in that you're 10 and two. That's great. But you know, that, that would be, uh, an uncomfortable, not like he's going to lose his job or anything, but just say, is that a successful year? That's why I'm holding Georgia in the, the stock thing. I mean, is that a, is that a successful year for those guys? I think it is, but it's probably not going to feel like one. No, it's going to um, feel like backwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a tough spot to be in that, that step before, I mean, even Dan Mullen is starting to talk about this with Florida and I don't, I don't think it's true. I think he's doing more coach speak there that, the Gators are in that hard spot of, all right, we got to 10 wins now to get to the playoff. Like that step from 10 to 11 is harder. And I think that's true. It's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to go from good to great. Um, but, you know, Georgia has already been on the doorstep of, of elite yeah. uh, and, and feels like the reason that they did not get there is their own fault right? Twice against Alabama uh, felt like that's that, that they could have been there and weren't. So um, that's, that's a man, it's a tough place to be. If you're talking about 10 and two and feeling like you didn't get the job done, that's, that's, um, it's hard. That's why he makes the big bucks. I mean, it's, it's a tight window right there in Athens. Yeah. The, the theme for the magazine uh, on Georgia's side was uh, the, the cover title was act three. Um, gearing up for another swing at the King because, you know, two years prior, they'd been, they, they were ahead in the national championship game, 
one play, lost it in one play, right? In overtime. Um, so they got another chance <clears throat> uh, the following year in the SEC championship game, I think it was, right? Uh, right. And uh, they were ahead. They had it, and they blew it. That was act, that was act two. So last year, I, they had to be thinking, this is act three. This is our chance. This is when we win it. And they didn't even get a chance to play Alabama because they, they, they made it to the to SEC championship game, but it was LSU there. And so they didn't get a chance at revenge. So this is their chance at revenge. And I just don't think that, that they're um, in the same position now that they were in the two prior years. So what is it going to feel like if and when they lose to Alabama in the third week of the season? Um, it's going to feel like the end, you know? So, yeah, I, you know, maybe they fall apart. Um, don't know. And again, from a Tennessee perspective, man, if you get Bama over Georgia and Tennessee beats Florida the next week, we're going to spend some time talking about Atlanta because Georgia and Florida will still have to play each other, and that's a loss for somebody. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that's – you want to talk about feeling mighty good about life no matter what you do against Oklahoma. If Alabama beats Georgia and Tennessee beats Florida, you're going to go to October with, with a serious, like, okay, let's diagram it out. Here's how we get there uh, conversation. So, yeah, that's – that's um, uh, it's <laughs> – Again, when people are, let me just get in front of this months in advance when people are like, I'll never cheer for Alabama, no matter the circumstances. Like, well, this year I got a circumstance for you. Like, <laughs> we, we, that would help us a lot. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that's, that is a realistic scenario uh, that's, that's on the table uh, for Tennessee. As good as it would be to beat the Gators, you get that combo of Georgia gets a loss early too. And, and we got a whole other kind of conversation we're having. Yeah, if you can't bring yourself to cheer for another team because it's good for your team, then you're not a fan of your team. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've let some other things cloud your judgment uh, along the way. So, Although yeah. I will say, if, if, uh, if Bama beats Georgia and then we beat Florida, then the following week, we learn to hate uh, Eli Drinkwitz because we're not thinking about Drinkwitz. And he comes in and beats us, and we're all really mad. It's, it's the trap. I mean, that, that's one of, we've talked about one of the three, I think, big traps for Tennessee is no matter what you do against Florida, you're going to be in your feelings uh, that next week. And I think Missouri plays Eastern Michigan the week before. Uh, so I, I am, Tennessee should have beat Missouri by three touchdowns last year. I mean, they dominated that game. Dominated. Last week. It was weird how close it was, just mistakes and just kind of coasting at the end. Yeah, I, th- I think we're much better than them talent-wise, like, like significantly better than them talent-wise. Um, but, yeah, if no matter what happens against Florida, you're going to be in an emotional space. Um, and, and so, yeah, you want to you wanna watch that one for sure. All right, and I will say just for uh, Brad's sake, he had them at, uh, at, at the Bulldogs at 11-1, 7-1. He likes them a little bit better because he likes them over Florida. So shall we move on to the West or just maybe skip through Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, Vandy, or what do you want to do? Uh, I think just, just skipping through. Now you like Missouri, you've got Missouri at seven and five. Uh, Brad and I both have them at five and seven. So you, you've got a, a solid 
year one uh, feeling on uh, on Eli out there. And you, you've got them winning. Um, like Brad and I both like them to lose at BYU. Brad and I still may have our feelings hurt from last year, maybe what that's about. Uh, and um, and you like them to win at Mississippi State, which that's that's the difference there is Brad and I both pick them to lose those two games. So um, you've, you've got a little extra belief in Missouri on the road. Um, but, you know, overall, I think we're that, that's that's not too far apart in those projections. Is there anything in particular about Missouri that, that stands out to you? Some of that's flashback of of taking their for granted too many years in a row. Yeah. Uh, when, they, when they first joined the league. Some of it's that some of it's um, being frightened by not by having to look up Drinkwitz on Wikipedia and then uh, being <laughs> horrified at what I found. Um they, you know, they have a really good defense coming back. They kept their defensive coordinator, so there's some continuity there. Um, they got um, Larry Roundtree back. He wasn't uh, quite up to par last year, but I think he's good. And then, you know, it, it sounds like they got nothing at quarterback, but I think they got this uh, transfer from uh, TCU, uh, Sean Robinson. And, uh, you know, he could surprise us. I'm just I'm – just, thinking i just like them to uh, liked them a little better than those other teams yeah. i also like finally in the east that you for all of my ranting on vanderbilt last night i at least picked them to go three and nine you have vanderbilt at one and eleven so yes <laughs> sell sell all of that vandy stock <laughs> well hey they're gonna beat mercer right that's the worst kind of one and eleven is the one that starts one and oh <laughs> there you go all right. Um, do we want to say anything about South Carolina? We agree on every game. They, all three of us, they lose to Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee, A&M, Georgia, LSU, and Clemson. Okay, let's do this. At what point does Muschamp get fired? Um, oh, that's a good question. Depends on the temperature of the athletic director. Uh, if if – this would be a hard year to terminate somebody too, wouldn't it? Kind of I think so. Um, and, and there too, you have to wonder like, is, is the big, I mean, I'm sure this is true in lots of professions in life is the big, if I, if I'm a coach that's thinking about coming to South Carolina is the big payday I was dreaming of in the SEC going to be as big now um, when everybody's, you know, taking revenue hits and all that sort of stuff. So maybe I, I don't, it's, it's a good question. If you got a, if they're not competitive with Kentucky and Florida, and then they lose to us, there's a bye week there uh, at three and three. I don't think Carolina would be that itchy, um, but I would say uh, my money would be on uh, the week of the Wofford game, November 21st. Don't give him a chance to save his job by beating Clemson. Yeah. Um, that's if I mean that that's kind of how I would look at it. Other places, it would be that that uh, week seven, that three and three start would would be enough for some other folks, I think. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we do have some disagreement on uh, Vanderbilt. You guys think they're uh, beating Colorado State and Louisiana Tech? Um, I don't. Uh, that's probably all there is to say about that, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Alabama. We got Alabama first in the West. Uh, Brad and I think they're running the table. Will, you just don't like running the table this year, and you got them losing to? Texas A&M, uh, which here is is where I contradict myself because that's exactly what happened. I picked them to go undefeated, and then I went back and thought, ah, 
I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to do that. If I was doing the win expectancy thing, I would not have them close to that. So let's go back and look at the rhythm of the thing and find the, the game that I think they are most likely to lose, which again, here, if you're a Tennessee fan, Tennessee catches them coming off a bye and Bama doesn't get a bye until the next week. Now, Bama going into Tennessee, their schedule is not after they play Georgia, they've got Kent State at Ole Miss at Arkansas, Mississippi State. So it's not like they've got a juggernaut in there before they come to Knoxville, but they will have played a lot of games in a row. Um, so I, I think I think Bama takes care of business at LSU. I think that's an important one for Saban uh, to get uh, and, and all that good stuff. Uh, but I do like the the toast of, if you will, uh, that that sandwich close of Texas A&M and Auburn back-to-back. Uh, I, I took A&M in that, which, when we get down to talking about A&M in a second, I believe made me actually – that would make A&M the SEC West champion the way I have it picked. Um, so, again, if I was doing the win expectancy thing, I would have Bama much higher than A&M. But if you're making me pick winners and losers of each game, then I think I've got them both at 11 and one. Uh, and and given the way when I did that and finished it, I thought, oh, I just accidentally picked AM to win the SEC West. So uh, it's funny how that works, you know, when you actually have when you can't pick percentages. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, so while I was writing the magazine, um, there was a moment where uh, after we uh, I asked you guys to do these picks. I actually emailed Will. I said, Will, <laughs> did, did you mean to do this? Because I just wanted to make sure it wasn't a mistake. So I said, and then I was so busy when you said, yeah, I meant to do that. I'm glad you're reading it. And uh, <laughs> I said, uh, okay, I'm too busy right now, but we need to talk about this. I want to find out what you're thinking. So Will has... Uh, Arkansas picked to beat Notre Dame on September 12th. I love Week that. two, baby. That's right. All right. So what's going on here? All right. I, as mentioned last night, I just, I really love Pittman. At, I, I love the fit. I love the weapons uh, at coordinator. Weapons is not the right word for a coordinator probably, but I, I love, that's a great coaching staff down it, there. It really um, Arkansas has been, as we said last night, bad in a way that even we can't appreciate. Four and eight, two and ten, uh, two and eight when Morris got fired last year. I can't remember if they won another one down the stretch or not, but I mean, that's that's bad, bad, bad. Um, so there's certainly a possibility here that we're running into what we ran into with Jeremy Pruitt week one against West Virginia, which is we talked ourselves, and when I say we, not just you and I and fan bloggers, but some media that I respect talked ourselves into or allowed ourselves to be talked into this team is going to be so much better coached than they were in the past that they are going to make a drastic improvement right away. So, I mean, you had like, like far more respected media people than you and I were that picked Tennessee to beat West Virginia in that game. Um, and as we saw, that was just not what happened. Um, so certainly as good as the fit may be and as smart as the coordinators may be and all that stuff, they may get up there and just have a very eye-opening moment of like, okay, this is going to take a minute. And, and sometimes that's like the most helpful thing that could happen. To be honest, I don't know much about Nevada, but it could happen in week one uh, against Nevada. So 
uh, I, I don't want to rule any of that out. Um, with Notre Dame, I'm colored by, uh, you know, the, my closest experience with Notre Dame last year was watching them almost lose to a, a very mediocre Virginia Tech team. Um, and I just, I, I'm, there's nothing about Notre Dame that ever, you know, since they played Bama in the national championship game, sometimes they do a great job managing their schedule and winning close games, but they're never so much better than any of these teams that they're playing. And they're also Notre Dame in a way that like, I don't know that Notre Dame is fired up to play Arkansas just because Arkansas is in the SEC. They're Notre Dame. They play good teams a lot. Um, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just not buying them as, as a huge kind of playoff contender or any of that stuff. So um, it was a lot of the mixing of those kinds of emotions of saying, I really like the fit at Arkansas. I think those guys are going to get so much more out of those guys than, than what Chad Morris and them got. Um, I think that, again, the bar's so low, it's, it's hard not to rise. And I'm not a big believer in Notre Dame. So it, uh, my gut said, you know what? That would be fun. So let's go for it. So to be clear, like I still have – I have Arkansas at five and seven. And only winning one SEC game, I believe. I, uh, I was going to ask you yeah. about this. Is that same rationale or is there additional rationale on that one? I think there's a scheduling. Let me get down to Ole Miss's schedule here. Um, uh, I may have messed it up. I may have Ole Miss actually winning that game uh, later on. We got this uh, coming off of A&M. Yeah, that's, that's what I have, is I have Ole Miss beating A&M. Um, and then losing to Arkansas the next week. That just seems like a first-year coach kind of thing, not specific to Kiffin or anybody, but just we saw it with Pruitt. Uh, what you get one week is not going to be what you get every week. Um, so, I, I uh, yeah, I, I, I think Arkansas, you know, it's not like I picked them to win seven or eight games, but I think they're going to be better, and I really like the pieces that they have. Um, and, yeah, that seemed like a like – a, a why not uh, sort of thing. Did you even mention that uh, Frank's uh, transferred over there? He'll probably be the quarterback. Yeah. And again, like I, I thought Morris was a great hire. So what do I know? I mean, I, I thought that he was going to, I liked what he did at SMU. I thought that he was going to do well for them there. And I mean, clearly nothing about that worked. Um, so, you know, Frank's maybe, is he a, is he a good mesh between what Chad Morris was trying to do and the personnel that's in place to do that stuff? And then what Pittman and Bryles and these guys want to do? I mean, maybe so, or maybe he's just, you know, a former, formerly highly regarded quarterback that is better than anybody you had, you had, you know, other options at Arkansas. So yeah, I just, I think there's potential there. I think there's, again, you can't go wrong buying these guys right now because they've been so bad three years in a row. Yeah. Um, and really law, I mean, we've talked about this years in the past when they hired Bielema, I mean, man, I thought they, they won that coaching cycle. I mean, what a great, you hired that guy from Wisconsin. Um, and it just didn't work. Uh, and so I think there's, there's, um, it's, it's a good program when they've got it going in, in the right direction. So I, I, um, I like what they got going on down there. All right. Um, moving on. Do you want to jump around? I'm just going to go down to Auburn. Sure. We don't have any conflict on Auburn. We all got them nine and three, five and three. Um, we all think they lose to Georgia. We all think they lose to Alabama. 
And then you and I think they lose to A&M, and Brad has them losing to LSU. So this kind of sounds right for Auburn, right? Schedule again. A&M's got Fresno State the week before the Auburn game. And if Auburn is coming off a loss to Georgia, uh, Malzahn is another one here of where, like, nine and three, like, nine and three is kind of the tip of the cap year, you know, like, okay, like, all right, you did all right. But, you know, just I don't know that that you trust those guys so much to turn it around and, and – um, uh, and and beat A and M the very next week if if they're kind of up in their feelings after losing to Georgia that's a very tough um, I think we'd be hard pressed to find a, a tougher two game uh, stretch for for somebody uh, in in the SEC I think uh, make, I want to make sure I got this right yeah he he's the one who hired uh, Morris so um, that seems kind of strange to me it's like two gurus in the kitchen, right? You got to, that magic could go really wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, we're going to find out. Um, okay. LSU, <clears throat> wide divergence of opinion here, but not between you and me. <laughs> you and I both have them at eight and four, four and four, Losing to Florida, losing to Alabama, and losing to Auburn and AM to close the season. Brad likes them to win those last two games. I'm assuming that's just a talent thing. You know, they got too much talent. Um, and it could be. And by the end of the season, maybe they get it all working together. I just, I'm really interested to see how much difference uh, Joe Brady made. Um, and they didn't just lose a lot of talent, they lost a lot. They lost a lot of talent. So I think something like 14 NFL picks or something. It's yeah, great. Brad's projection on them is a, a team that gets better as the year goes along. Because Brad's got them losing to Texas in week two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm not I'm not there on on that. I'm I'm not believing in that. But then yeah, he's got them other than Bama, he's got them beating South Carolina, Auburn, and AM on the road to close it out. So that again, Brad's not here to speak for himself, but I, that to me suggests lots of new faces going to have some problems early on, but by the end of the year, talent emerges, they get it figured out, uh, so on and so forth. I, I mean, I think again, eight and four, like I feel like that's kind of a tip of the cap year for this LSU team after last year and everything you just talked about that they lost. Of like, yep, you got beat by teams that were, you know, had much more coming back than you, and you know, LSU's probably picked to win 10 plus games in, in 2021 and go on from there. All right. I'm just going to blow through uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi state quick. Uh, we have them as a composite six and six, but Ole Miss three and five in the East and Mississippi state two and six. So how did we get there? Um, I am a little lower on Mississippi state than everybody else at five and seven. Um, Major disagreement there is the Missouri game. I got them losing to Missouri that we already talked about that. I'm just, I'm a little more frightened of the unknown at Missouri than everybody else. Um, anything you want to say about Mississippi state before we get to Kiffin? No, I, I mean, again, I've got them six and six. We talked about last night. I, 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 I like Leach. I just don't think you're going to see a huge turnaround from them. I, I don't think they're so much better. I don't think they were terrible last year. 
So I don't, I don't think they're so much better this year than they were last year, but I think that's coming. Ole Miss, Brad does not like Ole Miss. Um, you have them at seven and five, and he has them at five and seven. So I'm in the middle at six and six. Um, anything in the schedule there, or are you just feeling better about Kiffin than he is? No, I, I like Kiffin to get that A&M game. Again, year one coach, early struggles. If you're looking for the worst three-game stretch in the SEC, it's them. <laughs> and in September, Auburn at LSU, Alabama. That's September 19th, 26th, and October 3rd. So, And they open with Baylor. So, uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot early for Kiffin that can go really right or really wrong. Um, they also catch the Gators as their rotating team in the West. So, I mean, that, that's, that's tough there. Um, but I, I like them. I picked them to beat A&M coming off the bye. Um, and then, uh, you know, from there, Ole Miss is a team to me that because of the schedule, the, the, the start may be really ugly. But by the end of the year, I think people are going to be feeling good about what Kiffin's doing and what he can do um, down there and, and build momentum as they go. And they got a lot of returning production, too, more than Mississippi State. That three-game uh, stretch, I had to look at several times because I'd written a couple of times that uh, – Ole Miss and Mississippi State were tied because they both uh, play Alabama, LSU, and Auburn in consecutive weeks. But the Bulldogs actually have two at games, two away games. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Gross. At, at LSU and then Auburn. Yeah, those are those are both tough. Gross. I stand corrected then. Yes, if you're looking for the hardest two-game stretch at Bama, at LSU. I wonder if Leach looked at that before he took this job. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, A&M. So – uh, you and I, I think, are in agreement on AM. We have them uh, both at 11 and 1, 7 and 1. Uh, Brad anchored us down a little bit, tempered us with a 9 and 3, 5 and 3 ballot. Um, even you and I uh, got some disagreement on which game they lose. You have them losing to Ole Miss, I have them losing to Alabama. Um, I think you talked about the Ole Miss thing already. Um, but anything else you want to say about that? Uh, you feeling good about them over Alabama just because Alabama can't run the table? Yeah, that's part of it. And I think, too, with AM, I mean, the ramp up for them, good grief. Abilene Christian, North Texas, Colorado, yeah. Arkansas, Mississippi State, Fresno State. So, I mean, it's, that's – You're on a roll. Yeah, I mean, you're hot before you get to – got to go to Auburn, then you got to go to South Carolina, then you get a bye – uh, so, I mean, yeah, anytime you're going to close with Bama and LSU, that's that's going to be tough. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they can – they can. we talked about last night that A&M to me feels a lot like Tennessee between 2015 and 2016 when they were so close and they still lost four games. A&M lost five games last year to just all really great teams. The difference is in 16, you know, Tennessee's schedule was so tough so early the first half of the year, we thought, and Virginia Tech and Florida and Georgia and A&M and Alabama. A&M, I mean, it's the back half, clearly. So, you know, if you want to believe in Texas A&M, that's a team that has every right and reason to be 6-0 and going to Auburn uh, on October 17th, which probably will, will mean, you know, top five-ish at that point in time. So they, they can – the schedule is a nice way to kind of build their own hype uh, as, as they're going forward. All right. So in summary, um, we have in the East, Florida, then Georgia, then Tennessee. 
How close do you think Tennessee is to, to crack in that second spot percentage wise? Uh, I, I mean, it could, if they beat Florida, it, it could certainly take place. Uh, I think there's still a, a tier there where even if we're talking about the Gators kind of being right there, even with Georgia as, as a pick them on the field this year, you know, Tennessee on a neutral field, Tennessee's still going to be, I think about a, a touchdown underdog to those teams. So um, yeah, Tennessee's got to get better. And, and what's going to help Tennessee. The reason why a lot of people were talking about next year being the year for Tennessee is one, you, you trade Oklahoma for Pittsburgh um, and in Arkansas, you don't want to, you'd like to keep them on the schedule, but you still get Kiff, you get Kiffin next year in Knoxville. So you're not leveling back up to having to play LSU, Auburn, A&M or any of that stuff. Um, so we'll see. Let's see where Tennessee, let's see where they finish in recruiting this year. Let's see what they get from, um, you know, is, is Eric Gray going to have the kind of year where we're talking about him as a, a Doak Walker guy going into his junior year? Who's catching the ball for this team in 2021? Um, who's playing tight end for this team in 2021? Who's the number two tight end for this team in 2020? Like there's, there's still some questions here. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's all moving in the right direction. Um, and when you, if you get one of these, if you win one of these games, it's going to create that belief that, okay, can this be the sort of thing that we begin to, to expect? I think it's always important for us to remember, like, when, when you look at the back half of Fulmer's time, that the, the 2000s, Tennessee still won the East three times in the 2000s. And like, we should not expect Georgia and Florida to just go away. <laughs> you know, like they're going to be good too. If, if Tennessee wins the SEC East three times in a decade, that's pretty reasonable. Like to me, that suggests that Florida also won it three times and Georgia also won it three times. And then somebody else gets it a, a fourth time or something like that. So, um, you know, if again, so much for me with Tennessee now is about competitiveness. Can we have a chance to win every Saturday? And then we'll see where recruiting and all that stuff might take us uh, if, if you get turnover. I just, again, we mentioned last night, I fear we missed the chance to get Florida when they didn't have a great head coach. Um, and I, I, you know. It's not like it wasn't just one year either. <laughs> right. Mul multiple, multiple opportunities. Uh, that's, that first game against Zook in 2002, like, is just one of the weirdest and strangest. The one where Casey Clawson fumbled in the rain like 18 times in the second quarter. Um, I mean, that was – I went into that game feeling like we were going to bury them and be better than Florida for the rest of our lives, which was, of course, nonsense, you know. But, like – and we lost. Uh, and the, the chances on a platter to beat Muschamp uh, yep. and couldn't do it. And, and then McIlwain right away in, in 15 – um, had our, had our chances and couldn't get it done. So, um, but uh, you know, the, a great long-term question with the pandemic is our guys just sticking around uh, like, like Malzahn. I mean, you, you're going to pony up all that money to get rid of him at this point in time, uh, knowing that whoever's coming in after him probably isn't going to make as much money. The guy's got a ring, like, you know, he's, he's a good fit with your program. Um, so uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. It's, it's a very good time to have a head coach that you like and feel confident in and to not have that head coach be in year one. Um, so Arkansas may get beat by 80 points by Notre Dame for that same reason. 
uh, and I could be wrong about all that, but um, we'll see. I, you know, it's, it's, as we've said a lot, Tennessee's going to be better. How much better are they going to be? I, I don't know, but I'm super excited to find out. Yep. All right. So Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and then we have Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Um, we're kind of running out of time, but it's kind of the same question. How far behind Tennessee is Kentucky? They're, they're uncomfortably close to me. Got to beat us more often. Uh, that's a, that's a stupid fan answer, but it's true. Uh, you know, the, the second, the one in 2011 was obviously a, a momentous law. We wrote about that in our series on the most important things of the decade. Like that one was a huge thing for Derek Dooley, but the other one in 17, I mean, most of the Tennessee fans I know were relieved when we lost that game because it really meant, okay, now we're going to move on from Butch Jones. Um, and that's it, man. Like that's, that's, those are the only two wins for those guys uh, against us since the early 1980s. So there's just a part of me again, that's probably the biggest trap game on Tennessee schedule this year, but because it's in Knoxville and because it's them, I just have a hard time talking myself into it until I see it. You just assume we're going to beat them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, as we said, that's a Kentucky is seven and a half wins. I've got them at eight and four. You've got them at eight and four, seven and five. Brad's got them at seven and five. I mean, that's that's who they are now. Yeah. And a job well done by Stoops. But to, you know, to be the man, you've got to beat the man. And, you know, in this rivalry, Tennessee is the man um, still. Yeah. So I, I just I can't make myself worry about them until they beat us. Yeah, it's funny how the the interplay between um, you know we really like SP plus that that measures how good a team is on every play, and yet you know regardless of that, if it doesn't equate into a win, it doesn't matter, you know. Right. So, all right. In the West, we got uh, Alabama first and A and M second, Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and the Hogs. So that's where we stand. Those are our official RR. Did I say RR? Our official. <laughs> RR, right, right. Uh, official projections and standings as a composite of the three of us. Um, so if you have a different opinion, come by and let us know. I may post these uh, in the morning, so there'll be a place for you to do it. Um, Okay, I, I think uh, I'm not sure when this one is actually going to go live, uh, but um, just keep your eye on Game Day on Rocky Top. We'll have uh, different uh, stuff all throughout the summer. Um, it's going to be a weird time. SEC Media Days is going to be virtual this year. Um, sometimes we might take a little break just to gear up and get gassed up for the for the season, but uh, the preseason may be a little bit longer this time around. So. Just got to pay attention, uh, get your rest when you can, um, but uh, stay tuned to us. We will be active, and uh, I'll remind you again that the magazine is available for pre-order right now, gamedayonrockytop.com. Uh, you can get it now. Um, we will ship it probably uh, next Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, depending on when we get it in our hands, we will ship it the next day. Uh, it will be on the shelves in grocery stores and drug stores uh, about a week after that. So maybe around the 21st. Um, so 
Is there anything else? We used to do the uh, Will uh, freestyle where you could say whatever you want to say without me having to ask you a question. Do you, do you have a freestyle? Uh, no, I've, I feel like I have used my allotted time uh, for that by giving you a long and rambling answer to how close is Tennessee to Florida and Georgia in the East. So no, I, I have, my conscience is clear uh, at the, at the moment. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm Joel Hollingsworth and uh, for a, a clear conscienced Will Shelton, this has been the game day on Rocky top podcast. I'm going to keep this going and not hit record. Because we got to do more discoveries. I noticed when I was doing the mix last night, I didn't have anything for us to, uh, to do. So, anyway. so are you? We talk about wrestling. My friends really enjoy it when we talk about wrestling. Yeah, we. Uh, although you know, I'm clueless as to wrestling. Yeah, that's that's some like at some point for bonus coverage or a regular segment we should do. How many wrestlers can Joel name? Um, we should do that. Well, I let people practice now. Yeah, sure. Okay, uh, we got Ric Flair. Right. Uh, Hulk Hogan. Yep. That's old school, right? Um, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yes, okay. That's only because that's back when I think my dad sat next to him in, uh, in an airplane one time. That's pretty cool. Um, and during Bobby the Brain Heenan days, uh, wasn't there like the high flyer tag team or something what were those guys there's there's a bunch of those different guys now some of this will go back a little further than me so i can't be uh, some of my friends who might listen to this would be the experts on 80s wrestling uh but like like sean michaels was in a tag team called the rockers there's all kind like back before that there's like you know, midnight express and all kinds of difference um i give you like half credit for high flying tag team whatever <laughs> well i can tell you you probably should remember them because at one point they had their head underneath the ring and they were hit by a chair and came out bleeding so i'm sure that never happens in wrestling anymore um they they do frown upon it these days uh but really? thought, well there's a whole like brick in it doesn't uh, well, like they used to hit people in the face, like uh, uh, The Rock, another uh, oh, popular yes, wrestler, right? Okay. Uh, uh, was was in a time when people were getting hit in the face with chairs a lot, and then they were like, "Oh yeah, concussions. This is probably bad." So uh, they don't do that anymore, uh, and the the blood stuff is less, uh, though still makes an appearance uh, from from time to time. So I'm sure I missed maybe a couple, but I'm, I'm, that's probably about it, right? You got you got Hogan and Flair, so you're you're pretty good at the at the top of the uh, at the top of the list there. That's so. like naming Lincoln and Washington, right? right. Who are your favorite? Yeah, who's on Mount Rushmore? Hogan, Flair, <laughs> uh, yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin probably uh, on there, and and The Rock is probably on there in terms of uh, who's known the most. So I like Jumanji. That was, that was a fun movie. I've, I've seen the first one. I haven't seen the second one, but I, yes, I am, I'm a big, The Rock was, was one of my guys back in the day. So.